Welcome to episode 41 of Brews Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best uncharted beer cities across America. I'm your host, Brian, and on this week's episode, my co-host Laura and I enjoyed the Jalapeno Pineapple Pills and Maple Pecan Brown Ale from Brickway Brewery and Distillery. Their head brewer, Mitchell Elmblad, joined us from his exceptionally decorated home bar as we chatted about using non non-traditional ingredients, brewing high alcohol beers, and beer's unsung hero, malted barley. Let's check it out. Hello. How's it going? Hello. How's it going, Laura? Have you adjusted back to, to being back at Lawn? If you if you can't tell, I have my, my cruise card here ready to go. I'm still living boat life hard. If I had known, <laughs> I would have brought mine. It's hanging in my bathroom right now. I missed the memo. Oh, but yeah, getting these these land legs back is really, really tough. I never knew that I could get seasick on land, but it happened. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really weird. For those uh, of you that, that are unaware, Laura and I were on a cruise with a, a bunch of our uh, co-workers here at our organization last week. And uh, yeah, we're back with a, <laughs> a, a full-on live stream. I can't keep those glasses on the whole time. And look, uh, this is what you get. This is the kind of visual gags that you get when you become a subscriber to the Brews Less Travel Beer Club. So shout out to all of our subscribers. Shout out to our new subscribers this month. Shout out to our long-term subscribers. Woo! Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and those high uh, numbers, we're excited to have you guys. And yeah, I'm really excited to be finally talking with you guys on a live stream. Last week we did have our recorded episode and I hope you guys all enjoyed that. I know re I really enjoyed it talking with Chad. And uh, this week we're back, we are live and we are at it. It's gonna be a really good show for you guys. We have our featured brewery, Brickway Brewery and Distillery. We have two beers from this brewery. We have the Jalapeno Pineapple Pills and the maple pecan brown ale and oh i'm so excited to dive into these beers and then later on we will also be introducing our guest mitchell elmblad and he is the head brewer at brickway so we'll bring him in a little bit later on but uh without further ado let's get into our first beer from brickway i think we should start with the jalapeno pineapple Pilsner. i think i'm ready for something spicy let's do it let's do it How's everyone doing at home tonight? Uh, it's great to see all of our wonderful subscribers here joining us on the live stream. Hope you uh, didn't miss us too much. I think Kit Kat said it was good, but not as fun as the live stream. I think everyone's thinking the same thing. We love to see you guys every week. And uh, yeah, we are glad to be back. Cheers, everybody. Cheers to everyone at home. Uh, this is Brickway's uh, Jalapeno Pineapple Pills, a two-time uh, medal winner at the GABF, the Great American Beer Festival, took home a gold medal in 2019 for this beer, as well as a silver medal in the 2020 Great American Beer Festival. So heavily awarded beer, definitely getting the pineapple on the nose. There's a nice spice jalapeno note in the background. Definitely. I haven't tried too many spicy beers like this, but I am I'm really, really liking this. I like the finish on it, that it kind of lingers a little bit. Yeah, and it's not like too overwhelmingly spicy. You get that kind of burn as it goes down. You know, definitely not a beer you want to like shotgun or chug. That seems like a <laughs> recipe for heartburn, but a, a wonderful sip and beer, wonderful, enjoyable beer. 4.8% ABV, so not too mm -hmm. strong. Mm. Mm. That is wonderful. So when I visited Brickway last month in uh, Omaha, uh, 
I tried the base beer to this, their, their regular Pilsner. And uh, it was really nice drinkable beer. And it's amazing how much um, how much of that base Pilsner is still there with these big flavors of pineapple and jalapeno. You can still tell it's like a classic style Pilsner, easy drinking. There's that crispness on the back end that's really well accentuated mm-hmm. by the, uh, the spice. And this is just wonderful drinking beer. I'm just, I'm really enjoying it. And it's incredible that they use... 20 pounds of fresh sliced jalapenos, over 300 pounds of that pineapple puree. It's incredible what you can do when you really start to experiment with beer. And I'm really excited to talk to our guests later on about this beer and that entire process too. Yeah. And uh, you touched on it earlier. You haven't had many spice beers. I've had a couple spice beers, but I do want to share a weird story kind of in the hot beer realm. Not hot as in spice, but I did have a hot sour one time, like a beer that was Mm. served hot, and it was so good. I wonder what it would be like to serve a spicy beer hot, if that would make it, you know, that would obviously make it more spicy. Would it be too intense? I think I I would enjoy that. I think I have to try that out. Has anyone in the chat warmed up their spicy beers? Throw it in the chat so we can find out. I think it would depend on what you paired it with, too. I still have my cruise card around my neck. I just saw it in the (laughs) thing take this off again visual gags that you get by tuning into the stream (laughs) definitely so we said uh steven said he was a little skeptical about this beer at first but better than expected but would prefer the base a little bit less spice and so he's that he's that traditional pilsner type guy it sounds like and roger is sharing in colonial new england they jammed a red hot poker into the beer mug before serving to get it a little warm. That's fun. That's crazy. Um, and Kit Kat said, uh, preferred habanero, but this one isn't bad. I haven't had many beers with habanero in it. I feel like it's typically when I find them, it's it's jalapeno. And I don't know if that's just because jalapeno is so heavily used in traditional cooking that it is just like a go-to flavor when someone's like, hey, let's grab a pepper, let's grab a chili to throw in this beer. But uh, I'm loving it in this this pineapple pilsner it's going really nicely so let's talk about another cool thing that you get as that our subscribers got as part of the club they conclude this awesome brewery map i'm stuck between blocking the microphone with the map and not being able to see it (laughs) visual gags loaded with visual gags in this episode so you can see where uh brickway is you can't on mine actually because my green screen's backing up but if you had one of those maps at home uh you can see brickway is is centered around a couple other breweries and then they're in this really cool neighborhood called the old market and there's like cobblestone streets there and has this really old town vibe to it and was a really nice neighborhood to start off my day because brickway was actually the first brewery i visited when i went to omaha had a beer in the tap room at 11 15 in the morning or something like that on a Sunday. It was a great way to start off the day. And uh, the bartender there was very wonderful, showed me around, took me into the back, let me see the awesome brewery space that they have there. Yeah, it was just a great time. Just a really cool neighborhood, really cool spot that Brickway has. Yeah, it's fun to explore the the new places and find the new little joints. And that's obviously what we're doing here with Bruce Less Traveled. We're finding all of those lesser known breweries and it's, I was so excited to to hear your experience and we're going to be hearing about it for the rest of the month. We've still got a couple of weeks left to go. Oh, yeah. um, but I think as we're talking about it, I think it might be about time that we bring on our guest. So please, everyone help us in welcoming the head brewer at Brickway, Mitchell Elmblad. Welcome. 
Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Look at that setup behind <laughs> you. You have quite the the layout. Oh, you you oh prepared me earlier this week for the cool background, but explain uh, this is yourself. my home bar. <laughs> it took me about three months to remodel this, and so uh, it's it's hard to leave. It's hard to leave home when your bar looks like this. <laughs> yeah, for folks uh, for folks listening on the podcast, behind Mitchell is probably a hundred over a hundred bottles. He has barrel staves lining the bottom of his bar. He's got some beautiful t- uh, tin tackers up there. It looks like a great place to enjoy a beer. I love uh, it. And then the uh, yeah. the gold medal for that jalapeno pineapple pills is on the wall right behind me so, or right in front of me. So <laughs> might, might have to show you here in a little bit. They let you take that home? They didn't keep that at the brewery? Well, I got – so I found out uh, – so the owner bought me a duplicate, and I use air quotes, because it's the exact same metal except for on the back of the one that we got on stage. It just says what it is. So it's, it's the exact same thing. So that's that, that really means a lot. It's pretty cool. That is awesome. So let's start with this jalapeno pineapple. Yeah. It seems like this is a beer that you could easily overdo, like especially with the peppers. How do you approach yeah. a recipe with these kind of specialty ingredients? Absolutely. So uh, it, it's kind of funny. So I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for self-torture when it comes to untapped because I, I look at the, the ratings all the time <laughs> on this one. And the funny thing is, this is one of our most decorated beers. And it's our lowest rated one on untapped because a lot of people – have have a lot of i don't know they have issues with all they think it's like clashing and everything i'm like no 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 no. you gotta you gotta really explore this from start to finish so you've got this really delicate base pilsner you know light crisp clean a little bit doughy crackery and then so now we're going to add jalapenos which i hand slice those all the time i tell you what (laughs) it's hard to hit sit still for hours and just hand slice all those jalapenos and so seeds and all everything goes in that and then it gets hundreds of pounds of pineapple puree. And so the pineapple is not supposed to be in the front seat on that. That pineapple is supposed to kind of play Switzerland. It's kind of like this neutral aspect of <laughs> calm, calming the heat and not overpowering that delicate base beer. And it's supposed to, that's, that's a big thing that we really focus on is balance. No, I think you did a really good job because yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's not, either one isn't too overpowering. It does really good to balance that out. And the pineapple yeah, they is supposed both, to be way in the backseat. And it complements that that burn of the, the pepper very well. It's it uh, Oh yeah. yeah. I'm a I'm a sucker for chili beers. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh I mean we've only started sipping. This is a beer that I'm gonna have to be sipping all night long, but I know we have a second beer here that we are gonna be diving into. So this is the maple pecan brown ale. Um, so if everybody at home, if you wanna crack it open and Mitchell, do you wanna tell us a little bit about this beer? Sure. Uh, when I was on mute though, <laughs> I do have to admit, cause uh, you know, as a brewer, it's kind of like, I was like, oh, I'll do the maple first because it's kind of like, I don't want the peppers to wreck your palate. You know, it's like, a, like brushing your teeth and then was it eating an orange or a piece of chocolate? So uh, everybody who's on or listening or watching, just uh, maybe take a sip of water or something first. <laughs> so this maple pecan, so we do just a couple seasonals per year. And this is one of our most popular. So I've revamped this. I rebuilt this recipe from the ground up this year and use a lot of muted malt. I want a lot of like biscuity doughiness in this. And uh, it's a lot fuller body than we've ever had in years past. And uh, so we use a lot of real maple. Uh, there's two different types of maple flavorings that we put in the boil. In the past, we used to put it into our bright tank right before we carbon or kegged it or canned it. So now I put it in the kettle. And so we actually boil that maple syrup for a while. 
like a late, a week, late boil edition? Uh, actually, pretty early. Pretty early really? this time. It used to be pretty late, and it, it kind of tasted like chemically and fake, and it wasn't doing it for me. And so I tried it at the very beginning of the boil, and um, I really liked the way it, uh, it turns out. It's like you really get on the nose now. And mm. uh, the pecans themselves, those are uh, – we get those from a small farm in Oklahoma. So those are real crushed pecans that we get in these giant – 30 pound boxes and we put them straight to the mash. So that mash is amazing smells coming out of that brewery oh <laughs> when we make that. How is that uh, mash tun cleaning out with all the, uh, all the nuts in there? It's not bad. They, uh, it's like a, it's a perfect filter bed, <laughs> those pecans. And then uh, when our spit grain farmer comes, he tells me that the, uh, the livestock, the cows and the pigs love the maple pecan grain. <laughs> wow. One of our viewers at home, Troy, asked which pecan farm he is in I Oklahoma. Will, yeah. I will kind of casually look it up as we talk, <laughs> and I will let you know. <laughs> as he looks that up, I just want to note, I love the smell of beer brewing. I love going into a brew house and, and smelling everything. And this beer, I can only imagine what the brewery smells like when this brew is in the process because you get that maple syrup the toffee the pecans like we were saying and it all just rolls together oh this is just perfection i'm loving this one and it's great and so obviously seasonals you want to be seasonally correct so we we release this in september and i want to say it's right as fall hits in omaha but in the midwest it'll be 100 and the next day it'll snow <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of hit or miss on the maple. So we do this from like September till right about now. Yeah, and it's a it's a great beer. It it uh I am in Pittsburgh and it uh snowed today and this is exactly the type of beer that mm -hmm. I want to drink uh when there's snow on the ground outside. Uh but you touched on the heavy addition of Munich malt in this. So let's let's get into malt because it's definitely not talked about like hops or yeast or even like water profiles to some degree. But as we know, it is an integral ingredient to both brewing and the distilling process, being that Brickway, you know, distills spirits as well. Can you elaborate on your focus of malt and beers like this and what it means to beer? Sure. Absolutely. So I haven't been brewing that long. I've only been a professional brewer for about eight years, but I really take to heart the purity of the recipes and ingredients. And I, st I try to stay very, very true to style when it comes to recipe building. And uh, I truly, truly love building malt bills. Uh, like you just said, I think that's probably my favorite part of that, even before the hops. And so on this on this maple pecan, I'm like, what's going to really complement these maple and pecan flavors? And I, I really wanted to kind of highlight and showcase the Munich, because I, I just that biscuitiness and that mm -hmm. bready, and a little, little bit of like toffee and caramel and it just kind of, and it'll just kind of like really boost all the rest of those flavors and and the like the beauty of malt it's been there like that's that was the 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 main flavor component of most beer throughout history and 
it's it's just great to be able to go back to that and be like, well, I know I can if I need biscuity, I can pull it from Munich malt, or if I need this kind of uh, if I need this kind of bready tone, I can get it from this base malt, or I can get it from this specialty malt, and then you get into your roasted malts, and there's just so much to play with that malt that I don't think it's appreciated or talked about as much as certainly not as much as hops, but you know you could even say that people nerd out about yeast and water profiles more than <laughs> malt. If you really want to nerd out, I can. Uh throughout i i know you're not gonna believe me but i can smell it so like when they make new recipes and i'm really unsure where this is going to go on my first my first batch i can smell it in the mash tun like through that that first six or eight hours of the day i can smell I'm like oh i'm gonna need to make some adjustments here it's, it's too much too little and then, and then like as i'm graining out and i'll taste some of that grain i'm like okay i can make some adjustments but like yeah that's that's my favorite part is making multi adjustments mm -hmm. And I found it. So I get the pecans from Afton, Oklahoma, from Miller Pecan Company. Miller Pecan go. Company. And they're they're just the sweetest. Uh, <laughs> I call them in the fall. I'm like, yeah, you know, um, just, you know, re-upping my uh, pecan order. And they're like, oh, sweetheart, thanks for calling. We'll get you set up right away. Thank you so much. How's your day going? I'm like, yeah, that's Oklahoma. <laughs> I love it. And then you basically know their whole family history yeah, within a they, couple they, minutes. Yeah, and it was like, like, I remember she was asking me like some type of personal question. I'm like, do we know each other? <laughs> like, how's it going today? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> Bring up a topic from the last time you talked to them last year. Yeah. So you mentioned yeah. being able to smell the different things while in the brewing process. Is that something that was always a trait of yours or was something that something that you kind of grew over time in the eight years that you've been brewing? So kind of backtracking just a little bit is that I was on the way outside of the brewing community and the industry, and I wanted to get in and I was trying to figure out how do I get in? And so I interviewed to be a taproom manager and I wanted to kind of run the front of the house for breweries in bigger cities when I was trying to move to Nebraska. And I'd always make it down to these final couple of interviews and there was this big brewery and I made it down to the final two people and I got the phone call saying, you know what? We loved you, but this other person is a certified Cicerone. And I remember my whole drive back home going, what the hell is a certified Cicerone? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I, whatever that is, I need to be that if I need to get, to, if I want to get into the industry. And so obviously digging into that program, that certification, I mean, you don't talk about sensory, like that is the name of the game. And I spent years. That's all I did. I read every book. I bought every single beer. Like I literally, I'm not exaggerating. I would, I would give my wife a couple hundred dollars and go, okay, you go buy these 40 different styles of beer. You come back, <laughs> you pour them all out for me and I'll drink them blind. And I would just call the malls, call the beers, call the styles. And we do all this sensory on hops, malts, everything, anything I get my hands on. I wanted to, I wanted to look at everything. I wanted to taste everything. I wanted to smell everything. And that has played a huge role. And where I'm at today. And that's, it's, it's even like the sounds, the sounds and the smells and the temperatures and everything. And it's just, I, I love what they do. It's a five sensory experience. Mm -hmm. um, I would imagine that, that's like such a good exemplification of, of quality control and quality analysis starts from the moment you start making that beer. The, to be able to smell like, oh, from the mash, this 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 is going to need a little help in this direction. Oh, that might dry out a little yeah. too, bit too much. And uh, to just have that focus on the process from 
you know, step one, moment one of brewing that beer is is just so awesome, and it definitely shows in the, in the beers that we're drinking tonight too. Because here's a good pro awesome. tip for everybody out there who want to get into that to the Cicerone or whatever the sensory. I would go seek out grocery stores or liquor stores and ask for their out of date, bad, exploded. I'd ask for the worst stuff that they have, <laughs> and they'd always. I could see all their faces now, and I'd take it home, and I, I love tasting beers with off flavors and that were bad and expired. Cause that just, that helped me take that to the next level. Oh yeah. I was, I was that guy. I'm still that guy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very unique take on learning the smells and it makes sense though. Cause you need to know what you shouldn't be smelling when you're drinking a beer. Very cool. So shifting gears just a little bit, the beer and spirits world seems to be crossing paths even more nowadays than before. And we would love to know, are you working on any interesting collaborations internally? Yeah, uh, actually we are. Is it next week or the week after? Um, you know, just in the brewing industry, you cross paths with everybody. And after you have a couple beers or 10 with some people, <laughs> you, you strike up a good conversation. And so I made some good friends with um, Remedy Brewing in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which they're an up and coming brewery. They're doing really well. And so he's coming down and uh, we want to make at least a triple IPA, maybe a quadruple. We're going to get silly uh, with just a bunch of malt. And I've got some super high gravity yeast. And we're going to see how high we can get this. And I say that because we're kind of known for uh, on the beer side for Brickway. We're known for basically two things. Our flagship beer is our coffee vanilla stout. That's the one that pays the bills. I wish y'all could try that one. Um, some of you probably have. And our other one is our 17% Imperial Stout called Epic Blackout Stout. And uh, we get a cult following for that every year. In fact, we're doing a big release for that this weekend, segue. But I'm like, all right, so I know how to get a stout to at least 17%. I think I could get an IPA to that much. So we're going to try that out next week. Wow, that is exciting. Oh, and we're going to talk <laughs> more about that, the Blackout Stout in a minute. But, oh, so is that kind of nerve wracking trying to collaborate with someone and do such a big project or is it like really exciting and fun? Like, how do you feel working <laughs> with them? That's kind of a joke uh, around the brewery is that I can do things blindfolded now by myself. I'm, we're all like weld oil machines. But once you bring somebody in the mix and you're hanging out and talking, you completely forget how to brew. <laughs> it's impossible. In fact, uh, the owner, so the owner, Zach Tremer, uh, he's a master brewer, master distiller. He has his degrees, uh, decades of experience. And both he and I were brewing one day and uh, we had a couple of whiskeys and a couple of beers and we thought we we're having a good time. And then at the end of the brew, we're, you know, we're, we're transferring, we're knocking out our beer to the fermenter. And we look up at the brew deck and we're like, what is that giant bucket of hops for? <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, we uh, kind of forgot to put that in the in the in the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but collaborations are fun. Uh, they're a lot of fun, and it's just kind of like uh, you spend a lot of time by yourself back there. It's really quiet. It's just you and a lot of stainless steel, and it's fun to bring minds together with a lot of good ideas and uh, see what you can make. And so it's, it's always fun. Any collaboration for anybody, any place, when you try that out, it's, um, it, it can only get better because you're bringing a lot of great ideas to the table and they're fun. They're a lot of fun. Now let's take a beer break. 
the old market that Brickway calls home dates back to the 19th century, when Omaha was a prime stop on the journey to the west. The old market was the center of activity in town, with produce being the primary good offered. In the 1950s, national suppliers took over the grocery industry, and local markets like the old market died off. Thankfully, local attorney and landowner Samuel Mercer strategically purchased a collection of buildings in what is now the old market and renovated them for modern use. Through the late 1960s and early 70s, Mercer would transform the defunct produce market into a bustling epicenter of shopping, dining, and tourism. To quote Mercer, quote, we knew these warehouses had possibilities. To tear them down to construct contemporary buildings would have been like painting over the Mona Lisa. End quote. So thanks, Sam. Let's get back to the show. So let's get into more of the epic Blackout Stout. Uh, as you mentioned, the event this weekend on the 12th, you're releasing, I believe it's 15 different variants of the epic Blackout Stout. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> that is so can you tell us why life. you did that? <laughs> I don't know. It's like go big or go home. Like if I'm going to do this, just do this. So our epic blackout stuff, you know, typically a beer, like an ale takes two weeks or something from like grain to glass. And, and then maybe a lager takes a little bit longer. So this guy takes, this sits in our cellar for about eight to nine weeks. It takes a long time to finish and it takes a lot of rounds of more sugars, more yeast. And it just, it takes a long time to get up to 17%. And then, uh, so when we do release it, man, it is, is, is so good. And you think 17% stouts or 17% beer, your thing is going to be like super, super like fusily hot. It's just going to blow you over with alcohol. And it's really not, it's, it's kind of dangerous. And so it's kind of <laughs> like a, the can like comes with a warning. It's like, you're not going to think this is 17%. Uh, so we have a lot of, ba- I've been saving up. I, I love the seller. As you can tell, if you're, if you're watching, if you can't see, I have hundreds of bottles behind me, but, um, so I'm like, okay, so every time we do a release, I'm going to save a keg or two. And so I'm going to have a five-year vertical of all these different epic blackout stouts. And then I have a bunch of different weird, silly variants. So I, um, I have like a red hot tamale variant. I have, um, a, uh, yeah, almond I have- joy. I have them here, uh, in front of me. Oh, it you says, do? Okay. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, you know, them. vanilla, vanilla Tootsie Roll. Mexican chocolate, Red Hot, Almond Joy, Sour Patch. You also have a 2022 Barrel Age Raspberry Vanilla Epic Blackout Stout, a 2022, I'm not going to pronounce that first word, Sherry Cask Aged Epic Blackout Stout, and then, yeah, four-year vertical of the reg- of Barrel Aged and a four-year vertical of regular stout. That's a lot of different stouts. I don't think, I think when a lot of people, you know, high alcohol beers have become so commonplace, you know, when, when it was worldwide stout and 120 minute were the only big, big beers out there, people were kind of amazed by them and, and they seem kind of commonplace nowadays. I don't know if a lot of people know this at home, but yeast starts to die after like 10, 11, 12% alcohol. It's in this extremely stressful environment and Mitch already touched on it, but you have to incrementally feed it sugar to keep it going and keep it going. And typically, I don't want to spoil any, I don't want you to spoil any of the secrets of your process, but you typically use some type of very specialized yeast to be able to tolerate that higher alcohol content and to be able to produce a beer that's drinkable is just really, really admirable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really not even a secret. It's kind of like how Sierra Nevada will list their pale ale recipe on the website because they're like, you know what, good luck, you know, 
we are who we are. So yeah. same with us. So I use a, not only a bunch of high grab yeast that can eat and chew up to mid teens, but then also I use some whiskey yeast to be able to Ooh. handle that. So that's not really proprietary because the thing is, it's the process. <laughs> you got to know when, how, why, and whenever you're adding more sugars and more yeast, you got to think about like this clean sanitary environment because we as brewers are 90% of the time we're janitors. And so we're, <laughs> we're cleaning, making sure everything's perfectly clean. And now that I have this in the fermenter, stay awake because it's clean and sanitized and perfect. Oh, wait, by the way, now we're going to open it back up and put more stuff into it. Yeah. So, which is super stressful. And I do that two or three times. So you're potentially adding just, you're adding all these different variables that can potentially contaminate it. And so that's, that's the tough part is making sure you're, you're keeping that clean environment. Which variant are you most excited about? Ooh, I'm, I think we might get this a little later, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty traditional. I really like, if I can taste like some solid traditional flavors from a solid barrel aged one, I'm super satisfied and happy with a barrel aged salad. It's, it's fun to make all the silly ones with 12 different ingredients. And you know, it's like whatever I can grab out of the, out of the pantry. That's cool. It's fun, but that's, that's not really my jam. All right. So what is your audience's favorite variant? What do the customers buy the most often? They were <laughs> so I'm pretty resourceful, especially as the increase of prices of everything's going up, but I've kind of done this every year. So we make a raspberry hef. So I also do a, a raspberry epic, which is amazing. It really is a raspberry, 17% raspberry stout. And so uh, I have a barrel age raspberry vanilla stout that never, it, it kicks in the first day or two. It goes very fast. It's pretty good. That sounds really one. good. I think much. that would be one that I would go for. And we did have a few questions in the chat. Sure. Um, so Stephen asks, what is the reason to make such a high alcohol stout besides the fact that it's fun? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I think for the advertisement is more of a, it used to be called, it used to be the highest gravity beer produced in Nebraska. So it's kind of a thing. So if, if you can claim to be the highest alcohol beer in the state, it's kind of a thing. Okay. So the uh, recognition, also, yeah. 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 It's kind of, and it's fun because it's hard to do. Like if you can get there, everybody else in this industry is like, oh, wow. Hey, uh, high five. Props. Yeah. Knuckles. <laughs> but also for when we do these releases, it's great because it can age for a really long time. I think the, the oldest one we're tapping is a 2018, but I have a couple cans from before that and it tastes just as fresh, you know, as it did when I made it. And the best part is, is about those really uh, big alcohol stouts. Those oxidized aged flavors are very welcoming and inviting as they age. It's not like you know, drinking the Pilsner with any of those oxidation notes. Ugh, you know, it's not fresh, drain pour. But a five-year-old stout, when you get notes of like leather and sherry and tobacco, and all like that, those are like really nice, and they kind of blend together and they mesh. And like, ooh, this aged very nicely. And it also kind of gives a nod and the tip of the cap to the brewer. It's like, you know what? You stored this properly because it's it's one thing over time, but, you know, temperature and then how you take care of that as well. Well, yeah, every beer you have to, as a brewer, at a certain point, you're like, okay, hands off. The yeast is going to do its work from here on out. <laughs> and now you're going to take a beer that's finished fermentation. You don't have that aid of the yeast to be able to buffer mistakes or anything like that. And you're going to set it in a barrel and you're going to let it sit in an uncontrolled environment for a long period of time and anything could happen. 
So that, that's a good point. So I guess, yeah, that to another level of why I like the barrel age, because those barrels are going to flex and they're going to contract and expand and they're just sitting out there and you can't fully control the temperature hundred percent of the time. And so it could, and, and you're trusting that you've taken care of the barrel beforehand. Cause you know, there, there's some bugs that can get into those barrels. It doesn't matter if they're 17% or not, they could still come out. And so we've, I take a lot of pride in my, uh, my barrel program. I mean, as you should, it's, 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 uh, it's a hard thing to do. There's no doubt. So we have one final question for you, Mitchell. And, sure. uh, this is something that we've been asking to a lot of our guests, but what is something that you wished Omaha was more well known for? Uh, that's, that's a really great question. Because so I've been in Omaha for eight years now, and I have really seen the progression of Omaha and this area of the country really come up on the beer scene. And I, I, I'm really proud of what we've been doing the past couple of years. And uh, I would I would really like for not only the Midwest, but our, our part, Omaha, Lincoln, even Kansas City, like our region to be known for how well we balance our beers. Very well balanced when it comes to IPAs and just classic styles. There's a lot of good breweries around here that do classic styles. And it's not a knock on other ones at all, like 100%. It's just my preference. When it, if, if you can really execute a classic style, that says a lot more to me. And you get a lot more respect because, yeah, go off and do your pantry beers. But we, we as a, you know, Nebraska community or this Midwest, like we we're really well balanced and we kind of execute some of those classic styles. Very cool. Yeah. So what about outside of the brewery world in Omaha, anything that you love to do around your city? <laughs> that seems like I'm such a nerd, but I think that's, that was, <laughs> that was me. Like before I got into the industry, that was me. I would like brewery hop and we would, my wife and I like, uh, I will, I'll, I'll tell you I'm an untapped nerd. Like, it's, it's a great way to make a date or a day or a weekend of it. What we do is we badge hunt. <laughs> so like they have venues. So if you're like, all right, find five dive bars. We're like, okay, so on Saturday, we're going to find just the, the, just the really shadiest five dive bars in the city. We're going to go in there, slam a beer, <laughs> check in and go to the next one. And after five, you get that badge. We're like, okay, that was cool. <laughs> we'll never go back to that, those places. But <laughs> Sense of accomplishment. So, you know, we'll do uh, five golf courses in the weekend or whatever. And that's, so that's, that's kind of how we plan our, our dates or our times. That's what we kind of do. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. And yeah, that's uh, fun. we did have a question, just hop up in the chat. What is your favorite Omaha dive bar? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of more proximity, but it's, uh, this one's called Caddyshack. What you think it is? <laughs> I like where you walk in. Well, first of all, after you walk in, everybody turns around and the record scratches. But then you can sit down. <laughs> like my go-to, my go-to, oh man, is a good old high life. I love them high life. If I go to the dive bar and get a high life, A plus, you win. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Mitchell, do you have anything that you would like to plug before we hop out of here? Oh yeah. Well. It sounds, uh, feels like I, I plugged our, if, if you're in the Omaha area or whatever, like if you're not, you need to get here because a lot of these variants of Epic are, it's on my last keg. It's never going to exist again. And I'm tired of spending three weeks making 15 variants. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, you know, Rickway Brewery Distillery, 
So about half my time, I am distilling, which is, uh, and we make a lot of award-winning whiskeys. And uh, I might be a tad biased, but I, I think I've tried enough whiskeys that I think if you come in, you're going to get a lot more than just 20 beers on tap. We, I mean, we make everything, gins and vodkas and whiskeys and all that stuff. And I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to really learn that process as well. And it does play a role on the brewing side because I think the distilling, now that I've done that for several years, is a little more bulletproof. Like you could drop a hose or you don't need to sanitize something. You just kind of distill stuff because it's super high alcohol. <laughs> but when you come in on the brewing side and then that's your background and that's your knowledge and you bring that delicacy and the intricacy over to the distilling side, those details follow. And I, I think our crew, our brewers, like beer brewers, and it makes a difference on the distilling side. And so I think we have good products from uh, start to finish and front to back and side to side. And uh, where can people find your products, beers and spirits alike? We have a couple states. I know the uh, the beer game a couple years ago for everybody was to conquer all 50 states. And then now <laughs> it's it, it really, everybody is like, hey, support local, really bring it back to home. And so we have uh, we have Missouri, Iowa, South Dakota, Kansas, and of course, Nebraska, every major grocery store and every liquor store in those, those states. And if not, everybody's heard this before. If you just go to your favorite liquor store or grocery store, if you just say, Hey, we'd like to have this, they will tell their distributor and we'll, we'll get our stuff there. I've been reading these comments. I haven't been saying much, but I just saw something about Ohio. And so I would love to be in Ohio because then I, then I could probably go do events there because I grew up as a Cleveland Indians fan huge baseball fan <laughs> but uh yeah i would love to be in ohio that's it's how you do it and... if you bug your bug your liquor store manager and then uh, they could find a way to get our stuff in there bug your bug your local distributor bug your local liquor retailer and uh go to ohio shout out to ohio ohio's pretty cool i live in pittsburgh so we're like supposed to oh, hate cleveland yeah. but i love cleveland cleveland's great great city <laughs> I'm, I'm not being facetious at all. Like I really like that's, Cleveland. It's a great since place. I was a little kid. Big, big baseball. Actually, you see it. So if, I think Pat. Like if you could see, I have all those baseballs I caught at. Oh yeah, at games in Cleveland. Those are all from Cleveland. Oh, very oh. cool. That's exciting. Oh, I just can't get enough of this this background behind you with this bar. All of our viewers are lucky to be able to see you in your in your space here. This is amazing. All right. Well. Uh, all right. That was odd. This is fun. Yeah, we're just getting started, right? What else we have? What else are we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, I have drank this so quickly because the the jalapeno that one is a sipper for me, but this one, the maple, this is one where I can drink drink it almost too quickly. <laughs> I'm right there at the bottom. We we appreciate that in the industry. So, <laughs> oh yeah, it means we buy more beer, right? If we drink, drink swiftly quick, and drink we... often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Mitchell, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to Laura for co-hosting today. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Hey, we're in the outro. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brews Less Traveled. Thanks again to Brickway for supplying these great beers, and thanks to head brewer Mitchell Elmblad for joining us. You can follow Brickway on Instagram and Facebook at Brickway Brewery Distillery. If you want to join the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club and get beers from our featured breweries shipped directly to you, 
head over to Bruvana.com and explore the subscription options. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and untapped at Bruvana. We'll be back next week with another great episode, but until then, stay safe, be kind, and support your local breweries.